Welcome to the Demythifying Brand Podcast. We are Lynette Tremblay and Sherry Doyle, and we are coming to you from Edmonton, Alberta, located within Treaty 6 territory and within the Métis homelands and Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 4. We've both been working in communications and branding for over 20 years. We started out helping other leaders build their brands, and then we found ourselves in a position where we had to build our own. On this podcast, we're going to explore what personal brand is, how you build your own, and how you put it out into the world. We'll also give you tips and advice on how to stay consistent and resilient in the face of your fears and other people's opinions. And of course, we've got some funny stories and great guests along the way. Welcome, and thanks for joining us on this journey. And here's our disclaimer. This podcast is going to be just like us. Honest, fun, and a little spicy. What the hell else would you expect with a Northerner and an East Coaster? Thanks again for joining us. We hope you have as much fun as we do. Thanks for joining, and welcome to Episode 7 of the Demythifying Brand Podcast. Last week, we talked about how to translate your brand online. So this week, we will talk about how to leverage your brand to build your networks and community. So we hear from so many people that they hate networking. And yes, they use the word hate. Most people know that it's necessary, though. So let's talk about why. And then we'll dive into how you can make your networking less painful and go from it being work for you to working for you. So... Why is building a network important? Well, every job, board position, speaking engagement, or other opportunity I've gotten personally has pretty much been a a direct result or heavily influenced by my network. It's pretty common sense that if more people know you, more people will offer you an opportunity if you're good at it. But um, it's, it's not what people think, right? It's not that transactional piece. It's about letting people get to know you. So, Sherry, I mean, I'm assuming that in building your business, you didn't do a bunch of advertising or respond to requests for proposals. Maybe you did some of that, but your client base was probably built from your network. Yeah, I mean, I I built my business from networks exclusively and through relationships. So um, it was a slow burn over the years, but I mean, it was definitely worth it. You know, um, the saying it's too late to build a relationship with somebody when you need them um, is very true. And today I'm going to challenge perceptions about networking. I really... Don't believe that networking is going to a cocktail reception and handing out your business cards. Um, it's really about building relationships. And the best networks I've built with people that have led to future clients have been people that I've been in hot water with, that we've been working on tight deadlines. Um, I think that's when you really get to know a person and when you're working together towards a goal or a mutual benefit or even help someone through a crisis or anything like that. Um, that is that is where you start to see relationships and networks building. So it's definitely bigger than, you know, your stereotypical extroverted social event. Nope. It's about getting to know people and letting them get to know you. And then you become top of mind. And there's different kinds of networks. Today, we're going to talk about how do you build a community of support? How do you build uh, a network uh, that can be mentors, sponsors, and um, just generally uh, people that you can access as uh, subject matter experts? And then how, what to do and what not to do. Sherry already mentioned, do not go to a networking reception and hand out business cards like you're on the Oprah show. Everybody gets one. Uh, But more importantly, (laughs) let's figure out like in the modern age of networking and for all different kinds of people, introverts, extroverts, entrepreneurs, um, volunteers, whoever you are, how can you build a network that's meaningful? And so today we have, I think, the perfect guest for this. 
<laughs> to talk about building You're network. Speaking too soon. Building community. <laughs> I mean, community is in the title yeah, of that's what you right. do. That's true. <laughs> so Tina Thomas is the CEO of the Edmonton Community Foundation. And before that, she spent 13 years with the Edmonton Public Libraries. Lots of community going on there. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Tina. Thanks, Lynette. And uh, I want to start, though, we start every podcast with asking our guests to tell us their story, because really this is about brand. So we want to hear what your story is. Oh gosh, Who are you? To, Why are now you? Now the pressure. I feel like I'm at a cocktail reception. I have oh, to no. Say, no. <laughs> no, I won't do it that way anyway, because I can't. Um, yeah, so I'm uh, Tina Thomas, as you said. I uh, grew up in Edmonton, and um, I went to the University of Alberta. And I did a business degree and I did the co-op program. So I think that this all kind of relates to the network as far as um, putting myself out there into opportunities that I thought would be both interesting, but also that I thought would help me grow. So I got a job right away after I graduated from the U of A um, because I had done a co-op and I had done an international placement. Um, and I got a job with Nortel, a telecommunications company in Ottawa. So I moved there. Um, and I got the chance to work for a large multinational with offices all over the world. I got to do, you know, every aspect of marketing communications um, from the fullest sense. Um, and I got to, you know, see a company grow to be over 100,000 and then kill itself and end up at probably about 18,000 by the time I left. Mm-hmm. And so I lived through all those rounds of layoffs before they declared bankruptcy. So that was a super interesting um, wild ride, but they gave me so many fantastic fantastic opportunities. I got to do my uh, MBA through Queens through them um, and my CPA CMA. Um, So they gave me some educational opportunities because they were such a large company and again, just full of rich experiences. Um, But as they were dying and as I had spent all this time working in a corporate environment, um, I kind of started to see that this isn't really what I want my life to be. So I had the chance uh, when they were ending to go one way, which is stay in telecommunications or go another way and basically say, bye, what am I going to do next? And that's where the job with the Edmonton Public Library came up. And um, I started as the director of marketing communications and fund development. And, um, you know, I didn't know how long that ride would last. I probably thought two years because really what can a public library need Mm -hmm. and what could I possibly do? Um, And as you mentioned, I ended up staying 13 because there was just so much I could do and it was so exciting. Um, Within, I think, the first eight months of me being there, I completely rebanded the Edmonton Public Library. So a huge initiative uh, to transform the perception, the use, the opinion, the feeling of um, both the people that worked at the Edmonton Public Library, but also all of our users and, you know, all of our stakeholders, the people that invested in us like city council um, and helped make sure that we are, um, we were a fantastic institution in the city. So after about 13 years there, um, I never thought I would leave. I really, I mean, I went back to school and did my MLIS. I am a librarian now and I did that, you know, five years ago. Um, Yeah, so I I mean, education can happen at any stage for sure. Um, Because I thought, you know, this, I love this. I will continue to do this. And then it changed. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, an opportunity came up to lead another organization uh, that I thought would be an interesting growth opportunity for me. And I said yes. And so I've been with the Edmonton Community Foundation for the last eight months. That's amazing. I, it's, it's, uh, there's so much in there. Um, so I want to go back a little bit um, to when you first started at Nortel because you mentioned you moved to Ottawa. So you moved to a brand new city, presumably not knowing anyone. Mm-hmm. How was that? 
I think, again, you know, I've, I've thought about this. You think about these things later. Yeah. And so I think personality-wise, I, 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 you know, Shonda Rhimes had that book, I think, or that year of yes. Mm-hmm. And I think I have been a person of yes. So, you know, I had I did an international placement when I did my undergrad. So I spent a year in England. Um, so I, w- I was able to spend a year studying in the UK while the U- the European Union was just getting formed. And I did international oh, wow. business and all my peers were students from around Europe. So that was such a great opportunity. I didn't know a single person in the UK. You know, there's no cell phones. Really, <laughs> there's no internet. I am that old. Um, email <laughs> was more minimal. So um, it was, you know, good luck. Um, but it was such a great experience for me. Yeah. Um, so coming back, when I signed up for co-op, I signed up thinking, let's see where else I can go. Um, and so when the Nortel opportunity came up, first it was in Calgary, and then I had done a federal government uh, placement in Ottawa. So I had been in Ottawa for a short period of time. I'd made some friends. So it wasn't completely new. But the idea of moving to a new place for me was more exciting. And that also sounds like kind of not just moving and embracing change, but also building networks from scratch mm-hmm. in, in a lot of situations. So how did you how did you do that in the UK <laughs> or in Ottawa as a young person? Yeah, you know, and I, I think it's the idea of how you show up. Um, I don't. So I'm not great. You know, you, you made that comment. I'm and I'm, I've gotten worse in time. You know, like everybody does those personality assessments. And I was way more extroverted when I was younger. And I think this is normal that as people age, they become more introverted. So I was probably heavy E on extrovert for Myers, Myers-Briggs. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm probably borderline I, like I'm in the middle. Um, and so I think it was easier for me to just put myself out there when I was younger. Um, but it really is like... If there is, you know, I joined the basketball team and the volleyball team. I, if there was um, an international students event, I was going. So I think um, you get opportunities to say, am I going to participate or am I not going to participate? And at that time in my life, because especially because I was so new and I knew anybody, I said, yes, I'm going to participate in all of these things. And I've made friends um, from both of those relationships, from being in Ottawa, from being in um, England that are you know, lifetime friends. I was just in England, you know, a, a month ago, and I met up with a girl that I went to school with in England. So, yeah. And I think the key, too, is um, you don't go into those things thinking, I'm going to build a network. No. <laughs> You're going no. into those things just for the experience and to meet people, and that's really what it is. Also, what you also do is doing things that you enjoy. Yes. Um, so it's Bringing not like yourself. I went and enjoyed, no, no offense to anyone who plays chess, I didn't join the chess club. I like volleyball and basketball. I joined the volleyball and basketball team because I wanted to play. So I think, you know, there's a combination of doing the things that will also give you joy with the things that will, um, you know, help you meet people. And I think, build. you know, we're talking about building relationships. That's mm-hmm. what a building a network is. Mm-hmm. And it starts with building connection. Um, the easiest way to build connection is on something you have in common with someone. So why not do something you enjoy and presumably meet other people at that thing that also enjoy it? And one of the things I've found is the people that I've met throughout the years, um, they may not have been, um, I guess, relevant or common to my career at the time, but people ebb and flow over their lives and you never know where somebody's going to end up, where yeah, you can help them or they can help you or you come together in some way. And uh, I think that's the key as well is don't build a network with the intention of, or these are all the people that could be helpful to me now because you never know what's going to happen in the future. And and the most meaningful network is is people who 
you actually like and like you back. Yeah, and I think, I mean, you say that as though it's obvious, but I don't know that it is obvious, and I don't know that that's how everyone does it. I mean, I've definitely had people reach out to me to want to meet with me or know me or talk to me, and it wasn't authentic. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a, um, you know, a genuine interest in thinking about something that they thought I would be interested in or that they thought they could use to help me. Um, So, you know, what you said, Lynette, I think is very true, but not not, um, it's not how everyone does it. No, no, and meeting people is not a checklist, right? Yes. I need to meet this most successful person, or yeah. I need to meet this person. Like you said, it's like varieties of people, diverse people. Meet people in your community, learn more about people. It's about that mutual benefit. It's not about um, the who. It's about the what. What we can do together, that kind of thing. Well, and just like you and I met each other originally being on a board together. Mm-hmm. We didn't know each other. We were just joined a board at the same time and <laughs> got to know each other. And and that's when I think about the people that I know, some of it is so random um, and, uh, and and you never know where they're going to end up. And I think even that board experience, like I think about, as you described, Lynette, we met on a board. But I think for me, it's thinking about whatever there is, 12 or 13 people on that board while you'll know everyone and you might go for coffee with people at different times if you see them, but then there's also people that you have a connection with. Yes. So, you know, I think about you on that board and what impressed me about you on that board, which I, how I see myself to, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, we can talk about that separately, mm-hmm. as someone who, um, if they see something that needs to be said, will say it. And, <laughs> yes. you know, that, that uh, and I think sometimes, you know, in a room, not everyone has the... Um, you know, they want to keep the peace or they think someone else will do it. And so you always need those people that will say something. And so I appreciated that that's how you were because I felt that that's, that's how I feel about myself sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I think, okay, well, there's someone that I have more of a connection to because exactly. I have uh, – we, 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 we run the same way. In, and in, on the other side, sometimes I feel more connected to people that are really different than me. Because mm-hmm. then I think about what can I learn from that person? How could that person help me with something? Yes. And again, it's all genuine, um, but it does. It means that you don't have to be connected to everybody the same way. No, and it, it's, to your point, it has to be genuine and meaningful. And, um, you know, we've been talking a lot on the podcast about be whoever you are, however you are. It's not going to be for everyone, but there will be people that connect with who you are for the reasons that you are and and that's what matters and and it can be opposite as well we were talking about you know i uh, work with someone and her and i are are i would say quite opposites polar opposites in the way we do things the way we act but i she's helped me learn so much and i've grown very close with her and uh, so opposites can be a, a great connection as well but it's it just has to be genuine and and there you shouldn't change yourself for anyone else. No, um, there's this, um, and this was pretty like it was one of those. You know, you do all these trainings and whatever personality tests throughout your career. So one that I really resonated with is Strengths Finder. Um, now discover your strengths. I think is the book um, from the Gallup organization, but. What it does is it talks about where what are your strengths, not what are your weaknesses. Because I think probably up until that point, and I was probably in my mid to late 30s at the time, like many people, I had focused on what am I not good at and how do I take what I'm not good at and make it better. But what this does, does is talk about what are you already good at 
And what can you amplify? How do you like what does it look when it's overextended? Of course, that's a problem. But what does it look like when it's really good? And how do you amplify that and make those things better? Because that's really where you're going to find success in the things you're already good at, as opposed to trying to take things that you're bad at and make them better so that you can become generally mediocre. Like I loved that. It resonated yes. with it. And one of the things that it showed me is that, you know, all my strengths were in like strategy, execution, um, you know, decision making, like that's where my strengths were. And none of my strengths or the, I was much lower in all of the things that were relationship oriented. You know, like, am I outgoing? Am I the person that's going to like think about how to bring people together? That's not me. Uh, but what it did instead is make me think, OK, now I now I don't feel bad about it. Instead, who do I know that can help me with those things mm -hmm. or how do I do that differently? And I think about, again, my career because just that idea of networking. And I have a great network and I've had a great network of people that have helped me throughout my career. Well, how does that happen when I would describe myself as someone, you know, not charming? Like the title <laughs> of your podcast she's like, she's like anti-charm. I, I want to just call out that, that you, when I asked you to be part of this particular episode, you said, I don't think this is the right one for me because I'm not charming. <laughs> I disagree, but I love no, that. No, but I, you I, I think like that, that it made me, well, how have I done it? And I think it has been thinking about, you know, how am I genuinely helping people? It's not because like I'm witty in a cocktail party that they're going to remember me and like me. Yeah. It's because um, they know I'm going to get something done. Like again, using my strengths. I'm strategic. I'm execution oriented. Um, I can make decisions. So how do I use those strengths in a way that helps me grow that network? Yeah, and I love that. I love the idea of that test because it focuses on how you're different and it's good to know how you're different so that you can find people that are different from you to build that network. So obviously you're a very helpful person. That's things that you focus on and you know what you're good at and you can build your network that way. Well, and also to draw out um, what you said about helping people, uh, it's also about building trust. And exactly. so I, when I talk about building a network and build, well, it's, building relationships, really. I think it starts, it, you definitely have to like each other. And so having some common interests is helpful, but it's really at the end of the day about trust. And someone will do something for you if they feel that you're trustworthy. And the best way to demonstrate that you're trustworthy, one is being transparent, um, offering something up and uh, doing something for someone else, showing them that this isn't just about taking and uh, so you may be needing something, but do not ever start out a relationship with someone by asking for something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Resist the temptation. Mm -hmm. Even if you need something, don't start it that way. At least just focus on building the relationship and even offer them something first. And it doesn't oh, have to totally be... totally agree with that. doesn't have to be something meaningful because I also think some people think, oh, I don't have anything to give. Well... Um, amplifying somebody's brand on social media is something to give. Sending them a note of congratulations is something to give. Whatever it, it is, just give something to to demonstrate that that you're willing to. Yeah, one of the one of the areas um, when I moved into optical into this other area, one of my one of the things I was tasked with, and this is where I, I where, when I moved into a role that I was really excited about, I was tasked with growing um, a business that didn't exist, and. Um, so then I had to, I had to chase all these salespeople to get information about things, and um, you know, what I had heard from my peers in my department was what well, it won't work. You're not going to get anything. 
But then it became, okay, well, how, I know what I need. How do I make it easy for them to give it to me? And when they give it to me, how do I make it helpful for them? And so all of those things, like, so, okay, I need to get some information about these customers. Okay, I'm not, let, just have a phone call with me. I will take all of the information. You don't have to fill anything in. Uh, okay, now I've got all this information from 10 different people. Let me share it back with you so that you, salesperson, who makes commission and is trying to gr grow your customer base, see that there are 10 other customers and these are their profiles. Maybe you have other customers like that that you could use. So, like, these are very simple techniques that, for me, seem quite basic. Mm -hmm. um, but they allowed those salespeople to know Tina will get stuff done for them and they can trust me to get those things done, like exactly what you described. And again, that then made me, you know, people would start to reach out to me to get me to help them to do those things. And that business then grew, like it grew from nothing to, I don't know, 200 million, like it grew significantly um, in a pretty short period of time. And again, different, like might not seem like it's networking, but it is. Mm -hmm. It's that idea of, um, you know, how am I helping make your work easier or your need easier? How can I create an environment where you feel like you can trust me to do something? You know that if you call me and ask me to do something, I'm going to do it for you. Um, that then makes it easier for me to then say, at that time in the future, if I need something, I know I can rely on you too. Exactly. You mentioned, uh, you know, people reaching out to kind of the cold call uh, and saying, yeah, I'd like to meet you, learn from you. Um, I think any anybody who's reached a certain kind of level in their career probably has received those, those requests. And I want to talk about those for a minute because I think we've all either been that person or thought that we should do that or been on the receiving end of that. And I, I don't know. I don't have an opinion necessarily. I think I have – I've given some guidance. I've had – let's put it this way. I have, I've had good outreach and, and not good outreach. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so one – you know, I think the good outreach is always people who um, ask for a dedicated amount of time and they give me a reason, right? They'll either say – um, I heard you speak or, or I'm really interested in learning more about your story or this one aspect. Um, but it's not a, I'm, I'm career hunting and you know, it's, it's a, not an overt, um, I need your help. It's not a fishing expedition. Yes. The worst ones are, are, are people who just, um, just say, oh, can, can we meet? I, your, your profile looks interesting on LinkedIn. Oh, it's yeah. just like, it's completely no, impersonal. Um, actually I have, it's, it's not quite related, but the funniest LinkedIn request I ever got, I was supposed to be on a panel uh, a few weeks ago, but I ended up getting sick and I had to cancel at the last minute, but my name was still on the program. And I got a LinkedIn request saying great insights on the panel oh yesterday. My goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. Thank you. So, <laughs> Lean into it. I wanted to be like, what did you like most about what I said? <laughs> so, yeah, it has to be honest and genuine. But I'm curious from both of you, you know, either if you've been the person reaching out, cold calling someone. And by cold calling, I also mean like a LinkedIn request or something, um, wanting to get to know someone. Or if you've been on the receiving end of it, what are your thoughts on that? I think it depends. As a consultant for me, it's like I get a lot of requests for free advice. Um, I want to pick your brain on this, this, and this. I'm like, okay, well, that's going to cost you some money because you want me to do a comm strategy for you, basically. Mm -hmm. But I think if I see someone who is genuinely trying to build a network, I'm always happy to do that. I've done speed mentoring with CPRS, things like that. I've had people reach out to me and say, you know, I'm a young communicator in the city. 
um, I'd like to reach out to communicators and see what, you know, the the networks are like and, and the sort of ecosystems like. And I always I always make time for young communicators because I know what it's like to be new in a city. I know what it's like to to kind of want to reach out and learn more. So I think it's making yourself available to people who need it. And, and that way you're not, you're freeing up your time for the impactful work that you want to do as opposed to just um, answering every single call and every single request. And I think I, um, particularly being in the nonprofit or the public slash um, charitable sector now, um, I do try to make time. Um, you know, when I was at the library, if people called to ask questions about how to do this or how could you help me with this, generally I I, I would try to take those calls um, because I would want people to do the same for me. Um, so I, it is that more like how can I help you attitude. Um, I have, you know, the and, and from a personal perspective, it's I'm, I'm exactly the same as you, Lynette. I've definitely had people reach out and say, you know, your career has been interesting. You've moved from the private sector to the public sector, the charitable sector, or you have, you know, an interesting educational background. I'd like to learn more. And, I, you know, my education background is could we talk about this? And particularly if they're women, mm-hmm. um, you know, if I have the time, I will make the time to, to, to have those conversations. As you said, usually they're time delineated. Um, because I think those are the kinds of things that help people. And I think we all want to see more women um, in positions where they can be successful and have the ability to, you know, have influence on whatever industry or sector that they're in. Um, so if I can have some ability to do that, I will. I think, you know, for anyone who may not know a lot of people or you see someone and and you think, I would love to get to know them or I want to ask them more about their story or their skills. Don't be afraid to just reach out and ask. Yeah, and I think that's actually a really um, good one because I think about some of the the people that I've met, and it's because I've been at an event. So back to like you know we're all saying we hate the cocktail party networking environment, but then you meet someone and you think, oh, that was an interesting person, or I'd like to learn more about that person, or you know we were sitting next to each other. So there's two that recently were that were at events that I went to, and one of them, um, you know, she's a an investment. Um, like she 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 leads a large investment investing firm and is based in Vancouver, but she's also on a community foundation board. And I happened to be sitting next to her at a dinner, and I met up with her when I was in Toronto last week. And then there's another woman that I you know met at another event that you know I'm going to meet up with for coffee at something else. So I do think that thinking about it as you know while it can be intimidating um, to be in a sea of 500 people, that if there are one or two people that then lead into um, Again, not a transactional relationship, but like there's some there's a spark. Yeah. There's a reason why you should meet and talk again. I think those are good things. Um, so I try, you know, and maybe it only happens one in ten events, um, which is okay. Um, but I try to try to look for those, and I have been pleasantly surprised that I've had a couple of them happen recently as well. <laughs> yeah, and and. I mean, the worst somebody can say is no or not respond, but you're no worse off than before. Being in a new role, mm-hmm. I think it's been important for me because I think th- there's a lot of organizations that have reached out to say, I want to introduce you to our organization. And I think the other piece there is that in the same way, um, you know, I know they want something from me, I can learn from them. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the other thing about thinking about, you know, um, some of these cold calls can be mutually beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if it's, you know, someone who's young looking for, you know, advice or thoughts on how they could be thinking about their career, you know, I might learn something from that conversation. Or if it's an organization that wants to reach out and have an influence, some sort of decision we're making, again, I might have some, I might learn something valuable from that conversation. Mm-hmm. 
One of the other um, maybe mistakes that I often see people make is only building a network within their current role and their current sector or industry uh, and not having that diversity. Because if you do want to make a jump to another space or you want to get on a board or, or also, like I said, you never know where people will end up, having a network of people from all different kinds of walks of life, sectors, um, experiences, ages, I think is really valuable. So that network diversity in that sense um, can be really, really good. Yeah, I think about, hard to. <laughs> I think about just, you know, just related to that, like, um, you know, where does your network come from? We talk about it as though it comes from, like, it can be talked about as though it comes from cocktail parties. But I think about some of the, you know, um, people that I've met that have been um, added to the diversity of the people I know across industries. It's because I've met them because they're parents on of my kids' soccer team. Like, like their kids on the kids' soccer team, it's their parents. Or, you know, we've gone to church together or they're friends of a friend and we've met at a birthday party. Um, I those are great, more relaxed, more genuine, um, trust-based because you already have the trust uh, ways to kind of grow those connections. Um, the other thing I'll add, and I, I know we didn't get into this, but I think the other piece is, you know, y- you know who's helping you? Um, so I think about, um, you know, my time at EPL and I think about um, the CEO who's there now, Pilar, and um, how she would invite me because, you know, she's been she'd been in her role for some time. I was new to my role and I didn't necessarily know all the library people or know all the, you know, maybe city people. If we would go to something, she would always bring me, you know, she'd always open the circle, bring me in, introduce me to whoever the people happen to be. And I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, um, especially for someone like me who doesn't love doing it by myself. You know, I don't love just walking into the group and like, hi, I'm Tina. Um, to have someone that knows you and knows others kind of bring you in, um, I really appreciate it. That was so helpful. And, you know, I'm, that's in my brain about how do I do that for other people. And you can ask too, right? So mm-hmm. I, I absolutely believe like if you're someone – um, who has a network or you're going somewhere, uh, identify someone and who you can bring along or introduce around. But if you're somebody who needs to be introduced around, ask someone. I actually, and in, and I've had peers and others, it doesn't really matter what your position is, but I have had people say, can I come to that event with you? And, and I just, I want to meet some new people, but I, I don't, I'm not sure about doing it on my own. And I'm always happy to, I mean, that, I love that, but I wouldn't, you know, I, I should have. I, I didn't think of it, but I'm glad she asked. Again, that can be very authentic um, if the person that you're asking has a relationship with you. Absolutely. I think, too, that, like, your networking and the communities you're building, they're always a direct reflection of where you're at, like, in life. So, you know, if you're in your mentoring era or your, you know, your parenting era or whatever that might be, um, right now I'm, I'm very keen to mentor young young folks and people that are just getting into the business of communications and marketing. But I also want to learn from senior management, right? I want to learn from people who have been successful in the field, people who have all kinds of experiences, and then, again, that diversity of, of, of you know, it's – I have my network in the room, but who's not in the room? So, like, reaching out more, trying to find more people that aren't necessarily like me. So it's a bit of that mentoring era, but also learning. Like, it's, it's really important to learn. So I think as people move in their careers and their different eras of life, they're, they're trying to adjust and flow and their networks are growing in different ways. 
I find for me right now, um, maybe, and I don't think it's been intentional, but I'm actually making it intentional now that I've thought about it, is um, I realize that I have a, a big network and I'm now re-engaging with people that maybe I've lost touch with. And, I, you know, what, one of the things that you said just a moment ago, Tina, that I wrote down is that you already have a network. So I think a lot of people underestimate the who they know already, and they don't think of that as a network. So you already know people, whether it's friends of your uh, your kids' friends' parents or um, places you volunteer or things like the people that you went to high school with. You know people. Mm-hmm. And they're all doing things. Yes. <laughs> and they'll do different things later on. So um, you don't have to start from nothing. Leverage your network to build your network So ask people to introduce you to other people. Mm -hmm. If there's somebody that you would like to know and you know someone who knows them, say, would you be willing to introduce me to that person? Because it's a little less daunting than a cold call. And uh, it's a lot less daunting. It's a lot more um, genuine Mm -hmm. because if the person is someone that knows and likes you, why would they feel uncomfortable about doing it? If someone I knew and and liked and respected asked me that, I'd have no like, why didn't I think of that? Of course, I would be happy to make that introduction and I'd be able to do it in a positive way. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, that that makes lots of sense. The mentorship one, um, I do, you know, you know, because I. I don't know that I've ever thought about mentorship. Mentorship has been a conversation topic for, you know, decades. I don't know that I've ever thought about it. I've never thought about who am I a mentor to and who has been a mentor to me. Mm -hmm. But I have always thought about um, who can I learn from and who can, um, you know, who can I seek advice from at this moment in time. Even thinking about when I was looking to move from EPL to ECF. Um, you know, there was two people, Peggy Garrity and Chris Labazier. I know them very differently, and I know them from very different lives. Um, but both of them were so happy um, and genuine to be interested in talking to me about what I could do next and wh- what I could be thinking about and, you know, whether this was a good decision for me. Had I even talked to them about any of this stuff before? No. Uh, but But the idea that I knew them a bit and that they, you know, liked me enough to say, I'm going to sit down and have coffee with her and talk about this. Um, and I think it's, it's you know, seeing, and I reached out to two specific people because I thought they would have two specific um, points of view to provide. And so I think, you know, I'm not, I don't look at either of them as mentors. Um, and I don't think either of them would look at me as a mentee. They're just someone that I sought out um, advice from. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that can be good too. Like the idea of thinking about people that can help you think differently about something. Um, and people like to be asked those questions and be able to use what their strengths are um, to help you, you know, make decisions that would be good for you. That's like you've said on the podcast, Sherry, that, you know, all you want to do is share the information that you've learned over time. And sometimes we just need to be asked because we either don't think of it or we don't know who wants to know. <laughs> Yeah, we have a responsibility to like in our networks and our communities to make an impact in that way. So I think that it goes back to helping or whatever, but um, learning and sharing that knowledge and learning along with others, I think is, is, is a big part of it for sure. So is there anything else people shouldn't do? Any? Yeah, we've talked a lot about do don'ts. Not. Yeah. <laughs> Any big don'ts or things that you just hate about networking or the stereotypes? Well, I, I mean, I do... Uh, I used to call a lot of the networking events I went to Suit City 
um, because it was just a sea of blue and black suits, you know, very few females. And maybe this is why I never liked it, is um, very few females, a lot of men, a lot of men that knew each other, um, you know, maybe a lot of go- golf and tire talk. Now I'm being very stereotypical. Um, but, uh, you know, I was in telecommunications for when, yeah. I, when I did a lot of that. And then even when I came back to Edmonton, some of the first things I went to were, were similar. Um, so those, that, those are the things I didn't like about it. What I do like is when I, if I could make a connection with one person, because I don't love small talk. I don't love the chit chat. Um, I know it, you can't start by talking about the meaning of life. You have to like, there's a, there's a, there's a ramp that you have to work through. Um, but I do like it when I, if I can meet one person, two people, and again, it doesn't even have to be related to work, but feel like there's some sort of connection. We, mm-hmm. you know, there's something about you that's so different than me that intrigues me. There's something about you that we're so aligned with that, it, that intrigues me. Um, and with your, to your point, Lynette, that whatever it is, there's a relationship that's developed. There's an acknowledgement. Even by relationship doesn't mean like we're now hanging out, but there's an acknowledgement that I, we get each other and there could be, there's value in that. But if you go up to somebody and say, hi, I'm Lynette, and they seem bored and uninterested, just move on to the next person because <laughs> you probably don't want to know them anyway. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> so I think, you know, it's uh, you're absolutely right. Just go go up and and this this would make a lot of people have like heart palpitations, just the idea of going up and introducing themselves to a stranger. But if that's if if that's what you can do at a networking event, I mean, you might meet somebody great. And uh, I think the other thing, too, is follow it up with being curious because a lot of people have trouble talking about themselves. So don't start the conversation talking about yourself. Ask about the other person, but ask them a real question and try to get to them, know them as a real person. You'd be surprised, I think, how people might respond to that. And, you know, I go back to that Maya Angelou quote of it's and what Sherry was referencing, it's not they're not going to remember what you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel. And if you make someone feel like you actually care about who they are and see them as a real person, then you have built a connection. Mm-hmm. I, I, wonder, I wonder, <laughs> and just referencing something you said earlier, I wonder sometimes, or I've wondered for me, if it's easier for me to go to events like that, or if, if I'd be better when I go to events like that, if I go alone. Because I think sometimes mm-hmm. when you go with people, yeah. it's easy to just stay with yourself. And then you have these little bubbles of people that all know each other, as opposed to when you go by yourself and you have to say, okay, I'm actually going to, I'm going to talk to some people. And again, not Rolodex building, let me give you all my cards. I'm going to have a couple conversations with people that I don't know. Um, and it's, it might be interesting. It might be difficult. Um, but it's, it's good for me. Um, cause I do think the times that I've gone with a lot of people is the times when it's easier to just not, um, make any connections with anyone. Or go to events where you don't know anyone. Those are some of the ones where I've made the most meaningful connections where I didn't know anyone and I thought, I don't really want to go to this, but I ended up meeting people because you have no other choice unless you want to stand in the corner alone just eating from the buffet, which I've done from time to time. But uh, I do tend to now, strangely, and I didn't think about it in this way until now, dread the events where you feel like you need to be seen at because everybody is going to be there and you end up just talking to all the same people you know and I don't think those are particularly helpful from building a, real, a network perspective and so maybe you don't need to go and be seen because it's somewhere everybody is go where people 
there are new people uh, that you haven't met yet, people that you might want to get to know. So maybe instead of building a network, we should reframe it and start calling it building a community. Mm. Because to me, that sounds a little safer, sounds a little bit more mm-hmm. meaningful. And, and accurate, probably. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great discussion. Tina, where can our community find you online? I am on Twitter at YegTinaT, um, and I'm on LinkedIn, and I think I am also YegTinaT, but I'm not 100% sure. Sounds good. You can find Tina Thomas on LinkedIn. Yeah, there you go. So before we wrap, I just want to sum up some of the um, wisdom Tina's shared with us today, (laughs) some of the do's and don'ts. And uh, so we talked about how networking is about building connection. Um, You know, start with doing what you like. (laughs) Do things that you like and, and you'll build connections with people who like the same things. Be curious about people. I love that introduce yourself confidently. Smile, say hi and your name. It's really as simple as that. (laughs) Build trust with people and start by helping others and giving to them. And uh, realize that you already have a network and leverage your network. And really, at the end of the day, just build your community and the rest will follow. That's right. And uh, focus on your strengths and make sure you show up and do the things you enjoy. Thanks, Tina, for joining us. Thank you, everybody, for listening again. And join us next week for another great episode as we continue on in part two of the series, talking about how you put yourself out there. Uh, Next week, we're going to talk about something even scarier than networking. We're going to talk about public speaking. So (laughs) make sure you join us for next week's episode. And in the meantime, stay spicy. Take care. That's it for this week. Shout out to Norquest College for the fantastic recording space at their innovation studio and our editor, Vincent Liu, for bringing our words and brand statements to life. We also want to engage with you, so give us a follow on Instagram or LinkedIn and check out our website for more resources at demythifyingbrand.ca. Stay spicy, people, and we will be back soon to bust more brand myths and talk about how to get your brand on. Have a great week.